Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about my film pick of the week, The Devil, directed by Ken Russell from 1971, starring Oliver Reed and Mr. Red Ray. Is it the most controversial film that's ever been made to film? We will discuss that as always. But before all of that, as I introduce the host, I'm once again joined by the bold, the always beautiful, even without a hump, the ghoul geek Keith. Am I not a pretty mermaid? Hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> what is going on tonight? <laughs> I am the <beautiful>. ghoul. <laughs> oh. Oh, 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 you're pretty fun. <laughs> and we are going by... The Mad yeah. Monkey, the Prince of Mortis. Get religious with it, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fuck you, Google. Fuck you, Google. <laughs> All right, this is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey yes. Rehabilitation Clinic, where we be always professional <laughs> all, all the time. Our podcast, the Talking Terror Crew. <laughs> Bring you the most fucked up horror podcast there is in all the land. So... Fuck it. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. We're together, man. Yeah. I was doing the fucking. I need to put in the game's court. The monkey. I couldn't keep it together for shit. Rise and walk, my son. <laughs> And you're also joined the very opinionated demonic dean himself. Welcome back to the show. Good evening. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Welcome to yet uh, a very holy episode of uh, Talking Terror. A very holy episode this evening. Yes. Um, we will handle this topic with the most uh, tentative language and <laughs> Gravitas uh, that it deserves. Holy shit, uh, gravitas. Gravitas. It's Kiefer Sutherland's favorite word. Bless you, my time. <laughs> oh, welcome the Dean to the show. Welcome, Dean. Thank you very much. Thank you for the warm, warm welcome, monkey. <laughs> The monkeys will stop laughing just long enough to say good evening. And here we are. Yes. And yeah, the devils. Yes. The devils. Satan's boy, we shall not be. Yes. Have you seen things? I've seen things. So, anyway, 
I think I know. I know. We've all we've all seen the visions. We've all had those experiences. But monkey, you know, I know. I know. We have a. Uh, we haven't had much time to really talk. So I just wanted to go real quick on it with you. I know you've been watching it. You know I've been watching it. What are your quick thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier, man? I think they're fucking nailing it, man. I, I really dig that they're going back and they're still pulling characters. But at the same time, I'm thinking and hoping this show is going to maybe be used to build up a new roster for a new Avengers. Real quick, that's how it goes. But yeah, but I'm enjoying it, man. I fucking love seeing Madripoor. That was cool. Madripoor was huge because for me, anyway... That just automatically brings me back into X-Men world. Um, yeah, you know, I know we had all kinds of like weird WandaVision drops here and there. We thought they mm. were doing all this and that with that, which, of course, all turned out to be for naught. They tricked us. But, you know, Madripoor. How would they, is, why did they do that? Uh, because they're bastards, and they know us nerds are all sitting there <laughs> with our dicks, you know, with our proverbial dicks in our hands, going, oh my god, did you see that thing over there that looked just like the color of the one guy that he wore that one time? So that definitely means that Iceman is going to be having birth with Phoenix. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we sit there, and we come up with all kinds of weird fucking concoctional you know, theories as far as who's doing what, like fucking Mephisto was the bad guy in, in WandaVision. You know, that was the, the leading theory that everybody had to say. Well, guess what? Mephisto was not the fucking villain in WandaVision, so if that's a spoiler for somebody, I'm sorry, but you'll thank me for that one. But Magic <laughs> you know, always brings me to Wolverine. You know, that is, it, 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 it's just what I always think of. I hear the name, I automatically think Patch, I think Logan, I think Wolvie. So, I know obviously we're not going to see something as big as that show up in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, but the fact that that place exists within the MCU now makes me feel just a little bit stronger that we are going to be seeing this at some point soon. Um, But yeah, as far as everything else goes, I love the fact that they've got this, this great give and take between the two guys there. Their, their, their rapport is well done. I like the trades. I like the barbs. I like the action that we're getting. This feels like what I hope that it could be, which is more like the, Captain America Winter Soldier movie. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, a buddy cop spy film type of thing. And I am loving every stinking minute of it, man. Yeah. And, you know, just to keep it super quick, they're doing a great job of, like you said, with the rapport, we're keeping a good balance of the one-liners, but not going over the top too much like a lot of the Avengers movies. You know, they're keeping it just in balance of a, you know, g- good jokes and good action going on while still delivering us all the storyline. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, Dean, what and did you what? want to add to that? Uh, well, nothing. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. but how are the not, boys? Not, not, not one thought. Uh, uh, delightful. I have completed the first season <laughs> since you asked. Monkey. Nice! Nice! I, I, I watched... <laughs> I watched, uh, you know, it, over the course of the week, you know, I, I, I've seen, uh, you know, the whole first season and I, I, I have been thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to digging into the second season, which I might do later this evening. I have, you know, a few things 
uh, on the list of potential uh, potential viewings later tonight. But um, you know, starting season two uh, is something that's high up on the list. Uh, the the I don't want to I don't want to get into I mean I guess it's been out for a while so I, I guess we've passed the spoiler concern but I was kind oh, of yeah. walloped by the ending of the first season uh, completely <laughs> did not see that coming whatsoever. Um, so, Neither did she. Uh, well, no, she won't, and nor will she see it again. Um, so I did not expect to. I didn't expect to see. Uh, someone a Madeline Stillwell who appeared to be such a, a big and important character uh meet her demise. Um nor did I expect uh to to find out what uh Butcher was looking at when he came to uh after the explosion. So um you know I'm 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 into season two now. Uh some of you might know this and I, you know, could have pushed a few buttons on the internet machine and found out. But is season two? Uh, <laughs> is season two it? Uh, like, does the story end with season two? Have any of you seen it, or is this something? Is there going to be more? Our mouth shut on that one and let the dean find out as he watches. Yeah, so I, I shouldn't still consult not the internet season machine. Two, so. Oh really? Okay. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, you know what, again, like, I, I did the same thing with season one. I watched, like, half of season one, was loving the show, but then for some reason, like, I just, like, went off in, like, some other direction, watched a shit ton of other things, the whole fucking show ended. I think season two was, like, just starting when I finally was like, all right, let me go back and, like, just finally watch this thing. Um and then I watched season two. I got a couple of episodes in, and I did the same thing. I was like, all right. I think I think the binge-watching thing has really kind of, like, wore on me at this point. I think this is why I'm kind of, like, back into watching weekly episodes and stuff, because it just doesn't make me feel like I'm taking in so much information that I'm going to forget it all within, like, a day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, t- two questions before we move on, then, just, just real quick about you and the boys here, Dean. One, have you started using the word cunt more often? Because I know I sure fucking did. And two, what did you what did, what did you think about A Train and the Make a Wish Kid? Uh, see, so that was one of. All right. So first, no, I have not started. I have not started using uh, the word cunt any more uh, than I previously have, which is a very limited word in my vocabulary these days. Uh, but I have not begun to use it more. Uh, secondly, when uh, when A Train went to visit the the cancer kid, uh, you know, for the Make a Wish, uh, that uh, I was dying. I was cracking up. That might have been <laughs> the funniest, like the funniest moment, um, you know, of uh, of the season when he says, uh, you know, I'm gonna I could t- teach you how to outrun anything, and the kid's like, you're gonna teach me how to outrun cancer. Like I was just yeah. fucking dying. Um, <laughs> That was really, really funny. <laughs> so was um, you know, and, and I do have to say, though, being that that came maybe in the second episode, uh, I, w- I was and, – and there was some a lot of funny stuff, don't get me wrong, uh, but I was hoping for, like, a little bit more in that kind of humor, that kind of humor department, uh, although there was some very mm-hmm. funny moments. And I said this to the, to the ghoul as I was getting into the show. I was, I was very upset. 
I understand the purpose and what they were trying to show us with the deep, but uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with the choice in, in having to watch a poor, uh, helpless dolphin uh, get killed on screen. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, that was, my, that was the funniest part of the show for me right there. Oh, don't get me wrong. I was <laughs> laughing my ass I off. I was like, dying. <laughs> Yeah, I like you too. I just don't think this is the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fucking deep. The deep is a dirty birdie, man. That that is what he is. (laughs) Just don't don't get killed by him. (laughs) Wait. Yeah, certain (laughs) to. Anyway, I'm looking forward to season two. I really, really liked it. Like this is like this is like a kind of as one who's not traditionally like a huge fan of all of the superhero movies, and like I've made jokes, you know, here and there when when you when you all talk about this kind of stuff, and I always you know talk about how much I enjoy Kickass and the sequel to a lesser degree, and like this kind of like the weird like alternate superhero stuff, like the like the Unbreakable Split Glass World, and all of that, and that's why. Recently, I had asked uh, if anybody had seen that Brightburn uh, because it's been in the cable rotation for the last several weeks. And the description uh, makes it sound like another one of those kind of weird, offbeat kind of superhero things of, of the kind that I like. Mm-hmm. So um, it is, you know, the boys has has all of that and then some. So I've really been enjoying it. Picture it as a Homelander origin story, and that'll give you an idea of what you get with that. Man. With what? With, uh, with Brightburn? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. No. I, I, it's on my list. When I say that there are several things that I might put on later, that's actually that's actually one that's on on the list. So, um, you know, maybe I'll watch it tonight. Maybe not. But it has been on frequently, and it's whatever network that I, whatever cable channel that it's been on. You know, I have that on-demand channel, and it's on there. So I might watch that later. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Good Word thing. up. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so with that being said, um, before we get into the traditional horror news, I know uh, I watched the trailer that I put on the uh, group chat about a documentary coming on Netflix on May 5th called The Sons of Sam. The ghoul had a chance to watch it. I had a chance to watch it. So I wanted to get his thoughts on this new documentary about whether or not David Berkowitz acted alone in the summer of 77 in New York City. Anyone? Go Anybody else watching? Nope. I, that's the thing. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just saying, you know, I watched it, but I don't know anything about serial killer history. I don't know anything really about this Son of Sam thing. So I will be going into this just to learn something per- about this in general, like you know, this will be my first time like really hearing the story. <laughs> yeah, I'll take you to school. I'll tell you all about. It. Yeah, Google, What did you think about? It? I mean, listen. You know, this this is one of those where I feel like it's going to be out of conjecture and deep diving into conspiracy theory type of things. I'm never the biggest of fans of that, um, mm-hmm. but you know. It, I, I, I hate to put it in this specific terminology, but as long put as... Put it in the terminology. I'm going to. As long as it's fun going mm-hmm. down that rabbit hole, 
I will probably enjoy the series. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. That, yeah, that is what it will be. Um, there was an old Unsolved Mysteries episode of Robert Stack where they talked about David Berkowitz and whether or not he acted alone because David Berkowitz, when he was in jail, said that he belonged to a cult in New York City back in the 70s, and they were all about Satanism, and they were all about killing people in the name of Satan. So that's why the descriptions of what the Son of Sam looked like never really kind of added up to what David Berkowitz looked like. They were always kind of different. They weren't really what he looked like. They had different hair, different facial features. So it was that one big conspiracy theory. Did he act alone? Like, was he in a certain place at a certain time? Could he have gotten from this place to a certain place? So the fact that they're actually kind of digging into it and actually going to be providing us something, I think that's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a, a fun hmm. deep dive back into the 70s and, and investigating this conspiracy theory and whether or not it really holds water. So that's like you had said, Ghoul, I'm looking for fun. So as long as it's fun, give me a bunch of archive footage of 70s New York, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. Right. So I'm just saying, man. Let's look out the killer. He's coming after us, man. Better put on that dark hair so, wig. That's the blonde. Got it. So what, Dean? So, so fun yeah. was being looked for, and and I know I I know that fun uh, wasn't found, but I was in a way, taken aback, switching gears for just a moment, maybe it was an appropriate place, uh, I was kind of taken aback by the the level of vitriol and the level of anger expressed by our very own monkey uh, over oh, his gee, viewing we're going of here? The, <laughs> the King Kong Godzilla film. And I, there was so many strong words in the in the chat that... I just feel compelled to give the monkey. I feel compelled to give the monkey a, a forum here to to verbally get it off his chest because I, I I felt such strong emotion coming through the message. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, are we going spoiler free? or Are we still trying to keep it? Like, or are we just saying fuck it since it's been out for a week? What are we doing? Let's keep it spoiler, spoiler free. free. I I say okay. fuck it. I don't care. I don't. No, I it's no. <clears throat> it's okay. We'll keep it spoiler free. All right. It's just I was expecting more. It, it, this okay? Yeah. This was a very very pretty movie. That, like we said. <laughs> okay. Uh, I really enjoyed that. It was really 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 well lit. Um, I enjoyed that we were actually able to get see the fights this time. But again, uh, watered down American shit of us trying to have three different storylines going on at the same time. I felt like I was watching three different movies. Okay. The entire time, I was not happy about the design of Godzilla for this movie. The big, fat body and the little teeny, teeny, squishy head. It just didn't like it. Um, But it's just, you know, and the entire movie was pretty much a big-ass blowjob to King Kong. Okay. And then um, they went and brought in Another kaiju, which like happened to be, it, it happened to be like my favorite kaiju of all time. And then they sit there and gave him a shitty ass fucking design where it looked like he was 
fucking come straight out of fucking Minecraft. Look at all fucking QB and squarish and shit like that. It was the worst fucking version of this kaiju I've ever fucking seen. And it pissed me off because when it was happening in the movie, like, I was super fucking stoked because I was like, oh, shit. You know, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I was really going to go there. I was really going to fucking go there. And then when you get the reveal, it's like, oh, fuck you. Got that Really? That's where you fucking went with that? Like, <laughs> It's like my my guy, you know, <laughs> my my favorite kaiju of all time, and you go fucking there with it, like I I was fucking livid. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I know, really. Why? <laughs> it's not Godzilla's movie. It's King Kong, and Godzilla is the villain, and King Kong is the hero. So he didn't like that because he's a G man through and through. So well, King Kong is the hero. Okay, so I mean, I come from. Uh, all right, so yes, my background. I do enjoy, obviously, kaiju and films of that nature. I don't think to the same ex- extent as you, monkey. I think you do have a deeper appreciation for them. Um, that being said, though, I feel like yes, this was a film made for a Western audience, which is what the first two were supposed to be anyway. Um, Godzilla mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Kong Island, Skull Island and all that stuff. Yeah. I do think they, you know, again, trying to be spoiler free, I think they did kind of paint Godzilla to be the quote unquote villain in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But mostly that is simply because he is like a force of nature so just like we would look at a hurricane as almost villainous, whereas King Kong, um, being that he's a monkey, has some thought. You know, he has the ability to have cognitive recognition and, and thought to his action. Um, so I don't really see Godzilla as being as much of a villain as mm. it's just, you know, like, Kong is kind of shown more as a, a bit of a, a good guy. Mm. And even that is stretching it to yeah. a degree. Mm. And I'm well, fine with that. Was, and I was in, oh, oh, sorry, Ghouls. Please no, continue. no, 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 go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I'm fine with that, you know, and I was fine with the battle. You know, it's just, I'm just saying, story-wise, this movie was more of a discovery movie for Kong, you know, as opposed to both of them, you know, it's like you're a monkey. If you, you wanted to have, it, if you <laughs> wanted to have discovery of Kong, that's where Skull Island should have been, you know. And then you have Godzilla's story, so therefore you have King of Monsters, and then you're supposed to bring them together into this movie. And it just seemed like this movie was 75% Kong, 25% Godzilla, uh, you know. And once we go spoiler-free, then there's other shit I'm willing to tap into about the actual fights and all that kind of stuff. But that being said, the fights themselves were fucking fun. You know, I will say that. The fights themselves were fun. It was just, I, I think it was way too much human interaction here and there. And they kept throwing it back in at weird places, you know, kind of throwing off the action in the movie. But see, I felt Fair. like the, the, limit, the limiting of the human interaction, I thought, was one of the, the bonuses to it. They, they didn't try too hard to give a story for it. Um, and again, yes. I, still, I still make the argument that you say too much backstory to Kong, but 
again, you don't get a backstory for any specific natural disaster. You know what I mean? So really, how much backstory do you want for Godzilla? Yeah, he swims around and destroys shit in his wake. And that's about it. He doesn't do much else. Yeah. You don't want, motiv- no, I, I, don't want motivation and for I'm, the character, do you? And I'm, and I'm saying that's what the King of the Monsters was, okay? Was Godzilla's story. Okay. It's just, and if you wanted to have, and I'm saying the Skull Island should have been King Kong's story, and it just seems like this movie, they were spending most of their storyline with the continuing to develop Kong's story. Like, they just were still making up stuff for Kong because they hadn't really figured out what the fuck to do with him yet. And then they go into the weird Willy Wonka shit. <laughs> it well, that's, that's the, the journey to the center of the earth stuff that, that they were going with. So, um, yeah. yeah, again, I, I thought it was a, a great little action film. I thought it was a lot of yeah. fun, and it was everything that I could have hoped for and more from that particular movie. Because really, I, I that could have been so, so bad. It could have been a terrible, terrible film. And, uh, and it, it was awful. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I, I still would have loved it. You've been bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and like I told Mikey, I had my dad's woman for it too, and, and we'll discuss it on Friday, and we'll discuss it once the scene is seen. But overall, I think it was a just mm. great eye camp with all these battles yeah. and all these fights. Like, and, you, know, you get your different rounds. You know, it's like, yeah, there's yeah. a human interaction, but it's like, okay. And one guard's like, you know what? We're going to toss the humans in. Oh, fuck. Let's go back to that monster. Like, you know? He, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And you're exactly right, man. All, all of the monsters looked great. And then all the tech and all the gear that was in there looked great, which is why I was so upset when we went to the guy that I was hoping for. And then he ended up looking the way he did. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. You got all this other awesome-looking shit in the movie. And then you go there with that? I was like, seriously? <laughs> I like that. Your finished. No, it's just the finished product looks like the the original steel yeah. frame for <laughs> uh, Harry Housen Kong. Now, Becca, yeah. Uh, that I yeah. do agree with. I think that they could have done a much better job on the design for that that creature. And I have a yeah. feeling that's something that we're going to see <laughs> evolve. Um, if they, you know, obviously they continue with any of that in the Godzilla movies. You know, that that's one of those where I don't think what we saw was really the finished product, so to speak. I think it's just a, a no, starter like a, thing. A, a, a 1.0. 1. That's the GoFundMe version. Exactly. Wish version. We got, got them on wish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. All right. So, uh, with that being said, Dean, what do you have for us for horror news? So, there's been so many horror-based tourist attractions that I've talked about in the recent past on this segment of our program, and there's yet another one that I would like to talk about tonight. And uh, what I would like to tell you all is that if you are ever in the Fall River, Massachusetts area, uh, you will have the opportunity 
to stay in the Lizzie Borden murder house. Uh, if you recall, oh. uh, both of Lizzie Borden's parents were found axed to death uh, back in that home in 1892. Uh, Lizzie Borden uh, was acquitted uh, uh, of those murders, but uh, anyway, uh, this house has been this this house has been operating okay. as a B and B since the 1990s. Uh, it went for it went up on the housing market for sale back in January, and it recently sold for two million dollars. And the the new owner the new ownership group plans to continue to to run this home as a B and B, but they are going to be kind of increasing uh, and really playing up its history uh, as the the Lizzie Borden House. They want to increase the kind of events hold events that tie into this house's murderous history uh including even installing uh because it's such a popular pastime right now uh installing axe throwing lanes uh where you can practice <laughs> throwing axes uh, <laughs> and they also uh want to sell they said they will want to, they're going to have new merchandise uh including like a lizzie borden axe which you will be able to purchase and have your very own lizzie borden axe um <laughs> Now in the Lizzie, it's fantastic. No in shame. the Lizzie Borden home, no though, uh, the, <laughs> the 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 Borden family piano is still in the home, as well as other furniture uh, that has been there since uh, the Borden family resided in this home in, in Fall River, Mass. So, um, if if that sounds like your thing, uh, when the world gets back to normal, uh, you'll have an opportunity to, to to take part it were to be part of history. So, uh, you know that's what's going out uh, or going on there. Just imagine um, all the commercials, though. Come on down to the Lizzie Borden house. You come and stay for a week and you get a free axe. They check this out. Yep, yep. That's not the same one for you, but... Well, the, the, the axes are not for free. Uh, the axes are not for free. Um, no, there, there is no such thing as a free axe. Um, but it will be available for, for purchase. Maybe they have a punch card like you do for baguettes. <laughs> Yeah, they, okay. Maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> Last week at the conclusion of our show, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it and then the next day or so. Uh, and this isn't really super genre related, uh, but I just want to share some additional information about the big Netflix Knives Out deal. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems that the the final number uh, that that is out there right now for this deal for two Knives Out sequels is four hundred and sixty nine million dollars, and oh, there are yeah. contingencies. The contingencies are that uh, Daniel Craig must be in both of the sequels, and the okay. budget for e- budget for each of the films has to be at least what the budget for the first film was. So they can't like really try to cheap out and rake in the dough. But right. uh, based on this deal, it's possible that both Johnson and Daniel Craig are going to each walk away with at least $100 million in the pocket. So uh, quite a deal. And I just wanted to share that bit of information uh, before we move on to the next order of business. Damn. Imagine how that is. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that he, 
you know, I, I hope that the stories that he's crafting are, are just as entertaining and fun and, and wild mm-hmm. as the, the first film, which was fantastic. One of my favorite of that year. On my shelf right now, I love Knives Out. What a great murder mystery that was. So I'm all for the further, you know, mysteries with Daniel Craig's character. So what a great payday. Yeah, that was great. When I <laughs> and it was just a good, solid ensemble movie. It was. Everybody did their part. It's not like a, a genuine mystery. You know, something that you don't get mm-hmm. these days. Genuine murder mystery, whodunit, and uh, very well. So that money, I hopefully, it will be well spent, you know, on, on making quality sequels. But as we all know with sequels, can you surpass the further? Well, again, <laughs> being from what it sounds like, you know, it's going to be a completely different story with just, you know, the detective being the, the connective thread. So I'm, I'm good mm-hmm. with that. I would love for uh, Anna de Armas to come back, though, because, you know, she's super cute. Well, like, <laughs> as a button. Like a kid. <laughs> as a cute as a button. The ghoul approved. Like Starlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Starlight. Yeah, cute. <laughs> All right. So what do you have next? So uh, some details on the upcoming uh, Chucky TV series. Uh, Don Mancini has said that uh, this series will debut on Sci-Fi in USA in the fall of 2021. Uh, production is underway. Uh, they are uh, they are all systems go as they're as they're filming right now for this 10 episode uh, Chucky series. Uh, they put out a little featurette uh, the other day uh, about the rebuilding of Chucky and the different animatronics that they're using for the doll. Um, and as we have previously known, uh, Brad Dourif and Jennifer Tilly are returning, but announced just today or yesterday, both Alex Vincent is going to be returning as Andy and Christine Elise, uh, who played Andy's foster sister, Kyle, in Child's Play 2, uh, are, is returning as well to, you know, both will be reprising their original role. So uh, that's a new bit of casting that was just announced. Emily Valentine. <laughs> Not so. someone else. <laughs> What's that? Emily oh, Valentine. I'm gonna see, yeah, I'm going to forever see her as Emily Valentine because didn't she like pour gasoline on herself and like threaten to light herself on fire on 90210? Yes, she did. <laughs> I loved her character in 90210. Uh-huh, she was like fucking Brandon's psycho girlfriend or Dylan's psycho, one or one or the other. No, I guess it's probably Brandon. Dylan was all about fucking uh, what's her face? About Shannon Doherty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she came back to the reboot they had a year or two ago. Announced one of reboot. She came back for that. You know, larger than life. Christina Lee McCarthy. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward. It just it seems like it's really being packed though. The, uh, the Chucky uh, cast list. You know, to have Andy and Kyle and then also Tiffany, but also, uh, you know, Nika from Cult and Curse. So, I don't know. I hope we'll make it just make a cohesive storyline. Make it work. Well, no one. Yeah, but also, no one said they're all going to be together in the same episodes and stuff like that. Who knows? It just might be, you know, like a Tales of Chucky kind of thing. You know, of him wandering mm-hmm. around from story to story, you know, meeting back up with people from his past. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that could be it. You know, him doing like a best of, like a tour, you know, of all the people that he's affected. 
And they could be taking place, like, all over the place as far as, you know, you actually, you make a good point there, man. This might actually make that kind of fun, monkey. I like your, I like your thinking, yo. <laughs> I mean, now since of Tyler and Kristen from part three, with Tara Reeves and Jeremy Silver, you know, little Tyler from part three and the Love and Rest from part three, Harry Reeves, well, let's bring them in too. Why not? They're still alive. Yeah, I'm, well, how, how do you know this isn't a cleanup tour, you know, where Chucky's going around and tying up loose ends? <laughs> yeah, writing the wrongs, just getting rid of everybody's <laughs> psycho style. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Well, let's bring Glenn or Glenda back, too, while you're at it. Indeed. Don't need that. Last, Last time I saw Alex Vincent, he was sitting all looking – Looking all sad and dejected at his little Chucky table at a, at a New Jersey horror con, and uh, you know didn't seem didn't you know business did not seem to be brisk. So uh, you know kudos to him for uh, for getting opportunity to to step back into the ring. Oh, he was cool when the cool I met him at Bizarre to see the person. Oh, I'm not saying he wasn't cool. I'm just saying like he didn't seem to have the very like a very busy table is what I was indicating. Oh, not a busy table either when we met him, but he was he was very kind of just fun. Like, you know, he wasn't dick. He wasn't like, yeah, I'm Andy from Childhood. What up, man? <laughs> he just seemed like he was having a good time with the Chucky on the table. And, you know, it's one of those things. Like Zach Galligan, on the other hand, he was like, yeah, yep, I'm him. I'm that guy from Gremlins. You get it, man. You were also my short. <laughs> oh, really? He was like that? Yeah, uh, he wasn't fun. Yeah, it was not fun. It was quite a, quite a disappointment, man. Quite, quite a disappointment. <laughs> so goes life, man. So goes life. But uh, yeah, no, Alex Vincent, he's uh he's an odd one. Um you know, we mm-hmm. we've she's been to, to most of the horror cons that uh that, that are run by uh, Ryan Scott Weber and uh Yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's weird. He really is. He's very strange. I, I, I don't know exactly what your full interaction was with him, Dean. Um, I don't have any interaction. This is just my observation from walking by his table 30 million times over the course of that weekend. Gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know the one year we were there, he was uh, – yeah, he was, like, constantly bemoaning, like, something going on with his ear – and needing his dad to like come in and like pick him up and like bring him to the doctors and like I just remember like thinking to myself, man, aren't you a grown ass adult? Like you're telling me you can't bring your own fucking ass to the doctor, dude. <laughs> you're fucking forty something, man. You know he's got it. He can't, he can't be. He's not that much younger than me. He can't be. No, no, no. It's got to be in his like his early forties, if anything. If not mid, I need my dad to come pick me up, guys. Uh, he's th- okay. He's thirty nine. Okay, so Alex, okay, he's thirty nine years old. And again, listen, I'm not. Maybe you're, you're out of your area. You're close to home. I don't know. But just the way he was coming yeah. off was so. It was like childish in a weird sort of way. And it's like, look, I get that you were like a kid actor, you know, but at some point or another, you do have to, you have to kind of grow up, 
You have to be a big boy. You got to wake up and put on your good guy fucking, you know, your, your boxer briefs, you know, strap up your own fucking suspenders, okay, and throw that chunk of butter in your fucking food and eat it, man. That's ignorant. Let's say, let's say, oh, hey, MJ's here. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, he was very nice. He was he was cool. We we ran into him a, a number of times outside. You know, back then we were still puffing on uh, the old cancer sticks. So you know, we'd uh, we'd yeah. meet him out there, and we'd be choking down ours, and he'd be choking down his, and just all fucking one big happy horror family. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days. I remember having chicken wings with Bill Mosley and today. You know, back in 2015, and said, hey, get angry at me. That's my fond, calm memory. But you got some place to go, boy? No, I'm good. I'm really drunk and smoking <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> He's eating all the fucking chicken. Don't you like chicken? <laughs> <laughs> it just tastes just damn good. <laughs> all right, Dean, what's next? Uh, quite some time ago on this very program, and this program. certain uh, that this was uh, my pick, but uh, we covered 2014's Goodnight Mommy. Uh, it was an Austrian film uh, about those two little brothers that go to live with their, their mother who's got her, her face all bandaged up. Um, Might have been your... We covered that film on this very program. Yeah, it was, your, it was the Dean's pick. I, I remember it well. Yes. Well, Amazon, Amazon Studios are uh, jumping into the good night mommy business because they're going to be doing an American uh, remake. And uh, Naomi Watts has signed on to star in the lead role. Uh, There is no start date or release date yet. uh, But if you all recall, uh, Naomi Watts uh, did play the lead role uh, in another American horror remake, The Ring. Uh, which still stands as like the the most successful crossover horror remake from another country. Uh, so mm-hmm. she will be the lead role in Goodnight Mommy uh, for Amazon Studios. Yes. Okay. Next up, uh, we have talked about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, James Gunn says that. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to begin shooting uh, this year. Uh, He didn't give an exact time, but he said that currently uh, the designers uh, and the visual visual geniuses are busy uh, creating new futuristic designs and other worlds and alien beings, uh, and all of that stuff is coming together incredibly, uh, which will be featured in the next Guardians of the Galaxy film. So a little update uh, in the world of Guardians of the Galaxy. Look forward to it. So, One of those rares. Volume 2 better. I thought the 6 was uh, better than the first one. I'm torn on that. We know, Dean. Why we are you know. torn on that? Please tell us. Is it just James Gunn? <laughs> no, I just... You know what? I mean, okay, so... 
Guardians is like one of my favorite series out of the entire MCU. And I've said this a thousand times. I don't believe they're like the best of films out of the MCU. They're just ones that resonate well with me. I like the humor behind them. I like science. I like the the science fiction play that you got with them. Um, And I like the, the, the dynamic of the team. I, I feel like both films have points in them, though, that drag. So it's like when I sit there and I compare the two <laughs> movies, it's almost like I don't compare the good stuff against the good stuff as much as I compare like the, the drag points of them both. And they're almost so equal that I find both movies to be just at about the same level. What I want more than anything is just to combine the two movies into one long movie and eliminate the stuff <laughs> that drags. And I'd probably be real fucking happy with it. <laughs> so, so, you want a, so you want a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2.5? I want the Zack Snyder cut. Of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> no, oh, God, no. no. <laughs> It'll be in black and white. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just amazing how much that's gotten traction recently, especially with Kevin Smith. Release the Snyderverse. Stop it. Stop it. You guys have gotten so much of the Snyder cut. With the Snyderverse universe cut, the black and white version, you got it. Already. It's not going to happen. Please stop. Kevin, I love I you again, Please stop. My biggest thing with that is, is if he didn't release all the information as far as what he was going to do with it, I'm all for well, him finishing off whatever his vision is, if that's what they want to go forward with. Um, being that they don't, and being that he did release all that information, there's really no, I don't know, I don't, I don't see any point in continuing. Why are you going to go forward you know. if you already know the end? Good point. <laughs> So, Guardian Volume 3, very much looking forward to it. Because, again, quite the cool with it. I'm a huge fan of it. I, I was completely blown away. Great cast ensemble. You know, Rocket, Groot, you know, Star Wars, Chris Pratt. Star Wars, yeah. So, again, looking forward to it. I mean, Kurt Russell has ego. I didn't think he could go any better. Fine, too. <laughs> I never go character. I was like, he's a planet. How are you going to make him a character? And they did. It was great. You know, they, they 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 took that from other other types of things. I mean, you know, we we've seen yeah. that with other gods in the past, though, as well. I mean, you could take that to the Greek pantheon, you know, and then there's the character mm-hmm. of the Beyonder who did that in Secret Wars too. Um, you know, being a uh, an all powerful being and decided to to go all Jesus and and create himself as human, um, just to just yeah, to see what it was like to, to to be a human being. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I can't wait for Guardians <laughs> yeah. 3. Me too. All right. So, Dean, what else you got? Heading for just a brief moment to the small screen, uh, and we know that uh, the upcoming yeah. uh, double feature season of American Horror Story is around the bend, but Ryan Murphy uh, has put out a poll. He is polling his audience uh, to find out about uh, what they would like to see in the future uh, versions of American Horror Story, he put out a poll featuring six different potential topics. And those six topics uh, that you could vote on, or you were able to vote on, I don't know if the poll is still open, uh, one was Aliens, uh, then Christmas Horror, 
uh, sirens, like those those women that call out to the sea from the sea, uh, piggy men, uh, Bloody Mary, like and the plague. So uh, <laughs> six different potential choices. Uh, he has not said that. Oh, whoever, whichever of these has the most votes is going to be the next American Horror Story. But it sounds like he's just putting some ideas together and you know just being interactive with the fans and you know keeping his name and. You know, keeping the property out there, you know, there's a lot of anticipation for this, this double feature concept for the upcoming season. So that's what's going on in the world of American Horror Story. And the other preeminent uh, horror series on the small screen, The Walking Dead, uh, the final season, which they're currently in the midst or just wrapping up those bonus uh, season 10 episodes. But the season 11 final season yeah, didn't uh, we just has have been given the final a episode this past weekend. What, was the final one last Sunday? I've been, I've, I've been, I'm almost two episodes behind. I believe it was just this past Sunday. Okay, and it was so, fucking so there awesome. you have it. Sweet. So I'm looking forward to watching yeah. it, and uh, maybe maybe that's what is on the docket for later this evening. But uh, they have rolled, uh, they have pushed ahead uh, the premiere date, uh, traditional premiere dates, and uh, the final season, the big 24-episode season, is going to be starting August 22nd as opposed to the usual October start date. Um, so uh, this, these 24 episodes are going to be broken up into three eight-episode segments, uh, and they're going to take their t- sweet time with this, as I would imagine. And uh, even though it's starting August 22nd, uh, they said that these three will be spaced out enough in which the final eight will not air until uh, sometime in the back half of 2022. Uh, but uh, they have promised uh, an action-packed uh, season featuring uh, large scope and scale and new locations. Uh, so we will see what happens in the world of The Walking Dead. I know, cool. Uh, if you saw it this weekend uh, and and have wrapped up this little mini-season, uh, what this means is, like, for the first time in years of Walking Dead, you've surpassed me because I'm a couple of episodes behind. Um, indeed, indeed, I have. Yeah. So I was, I was a very vocal, uh, a very vocal voice of you know getting back into The Walking Dead because I feel that um, you know it, it, like vocal you know, and fair voice. Yes, <laughs> I had not had not returned to the heights of the early days, but certainly once again became engaging, compelling television. So uh, I'm glad that 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 of you guys, the ghoul that you have found your way back. And I, I'm looking forward. Maybe that, I think that's it. I think I'd have to catch up on the walking dead tonight. I think that's, I think that's what's up. Um, being that I'm in between seasons of the boys, I think that the walking dead is going to, is going to kind of trump everything this evening. So uh, I will, I will be able to talk to you about that uh, very, very soon. Yes. Uh, but I'm looking forward was, to uh, it. I'm catching up very on happy. Very happy that we went back to it. I'm happy with what, uh, you know, what we had witnessed with, you know, the, uh, uh, the the way the season had gone with the whispers and uh and yes i uh i was very i feel like these episodes were character developing moments but it did feel the the last one was great that, that I will say, without a doubt, and uh, and you'll see why when you get to it, man. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, well, like well, like you said, they were that was the purpose of this short season was to be like these little 
character development episodes and just kind of like a quarantine uh, treat because of the big delay between uh, the bulk of the previous season and the final episode. And they were able to shoot these, these bonus episodes, you know, with a bare bones cast and crew uh, with each one just focusing in on one or two characters. So uh, that was the whole point of them. And, and it was a nice treat for them to do that for us. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to it. So I'm glad that, but you're digging it, and I'll, I'll look forward to a discussion once I once I wrap them up. Um, yes. But uh, sort of sort of related <laughs> to The Walking Dead, uh, old favorite who we last saw with his uh, eyeball dangling out of his face, old favorite Glenn. Uh, it's been announced <laughs> that uh, you know when we talked about Jordan Peele walking from the Twilight Zone uh, and having Fine. to do with like his his movie deals and whatnot. Uh, Jordan Peele's new movie, uh, which has not uh, been giving us a plot or a title, but it does have a release date of July 22nd, uh, 2022, is going to star uh, Stephen Yoon uh, as the main character. Uh, I have never heard of a current film called Minari, uh, but apparently Stephen Yoon is up for Best Actor uh, at the Academy Awards, the upcoming Oscars for his his role in this film, Minari. Um, so good on, good on Glenn uh, make, making his way. And he will be in the next Jordan. He'll be the featured player in the next Jordan Peele film. Um, has, it, has anybody else, has anybody heard of this film, Minari? No, I've dude. heard about it. I, I knew it was up. For, it's up for best picture. He's up for best uh, actor. Um, I think it's got a couple different things. It's, uh, it, it looks to be an interesting film. I mean, out of the out of the entire Best Picture stock this year, I've only seen one of the movies, and that was uh, the uh, I just watched it too the other day, man. Uh, Promising young woman, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear uh, good things about that. That's on my that's on my list. <laughs> it Nothing was uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was something. You know, it was it was definitely entertaining. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, I've heard, that's what I've heard. I've heard that it's. I've heard that it's something. Yeah. So here, here's a, a brief, <laughs> uh, like, two sentence uh, description of of Stephen <laughs> Yoon's film Minari. A Korean American family moves to an Arkansas farm in search of its own American dream. Amidst the challenges oh. of this new life in the strange and rugged Ozarks, they discover the undeniable resilience of family, and what really makes a home. Oh, build this thunder and sweeping story about what roots us. Uh, so, so that's what's going on with Stephen Yoon, and I just threw that in there because you know Jordan Peele. Uh, this upcoming film is supposed to be like in the horror and suspense realm, and we just talked about The Walking Dead, and and Glenn is the tie that binds all of those stories together. Um, but moving yeah, on as I look at the clock, I know we're on a tight schedule. What's that, cool? I watched something similar today in which, you know, I watched the 2011 version of Footloose in which a young man named Ren, um, you know, was, was brought to Georgia from, from Boston and he found out. God, was that, that fucking you know, terrible, huh? Dude, it was a shot for shot remake, man. So unless you didn't like the first movie, there's no reason to not like this one. And I'll tell you what, man, Julianne Huff. Huff, I think her name is. I think that's how you pronounce it. She is so hot. Okay, that you know what? Yeah, it's well worth watching. Okay, if you like the first fucking Footloose, you'll like this one too, man, because it's the well, same movie. Well, I loved movie. the first one, and I and I watched it and whatnot, and like 
I don't know. It was just it was just we and I'll tell you one of the things that was weird about it is that yes, what it was, was basically a shot for shot remake and I just saw it in like two different cities recently for the very first time. But but what I'm saying is that like it's it's like a modern day film, but like it still used like a lot of the music from the from like it just like that part of it didn't make any sense. Um Why and not? I don't know, I just didn't feel like the performers What's that? <laughs> do you go? Do you go to parties? I you mean, not fun. right now, but yes, I've been to okay. parties. I, I, okay, you've been to parties, right? So you know, just like you go to every party, and they're always gonna fucking play things like you know, the fucking YMCA song and shit like that. There are mm-hmm. just certain songs that just always get played, no matter what. So yeah, they use certain tunes that were in line with the original Footloose. I think that was for people yeah, no, like I, us I, who are fans of the original of film. But again, uh, you know, just like just like the whole, and these, these were not remakes, but just like the whole spate of some of those kind of, uh, you know, mid-90s horror films. Like, yes, in the original Footloose, there was a good-looking cast, but in this remake, uh, I felt that it was like, like the CW. It was like all these beautiful people. Like, it just, I don't know. There were little things about it that just... You know, I and, and maybe because I, like I love the first one so much, people. but there, 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 I, I know, but there, and there is just one thing before we move on because I want to I want to keep to our schedule here. But one thing I noticed leaping because I did and dancing. The last, yeah, leaping and dancing. There's a time and place, and this is our time. But uh, what I did want to say was that <laughs> I caught the last 20 minutes of the original film last night because it was on, and when uh, Ren and and when they when they have the fight. Uh, when Willard and Ren fight Chuck uh, outside in the parking lot before going in, when they head into the dance and everything gets started, right? Willard says to Rusty, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, he says, all right, just just watch. And then he, like, does some of the dance moves that he learned because he couldn't dance earlier in the film. And, like, she's Mm -hmm. so excited, right? And and what I thought was weird, and 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 I probably noticed this before, is that after that, you never see Rusty again for, like, the whole film even when it's Willard's highlighted time to dance when he gets pointed out and he has to take center stage. Like, they never show her reacting. Like, you never see her again for the rest of the movie. I just thought that was very weird that I noticed that last night. Uh, we're, not here to, we're not here to talk about Footloose tonight, although I'm sure the ghoul and I could do Everybody a whole show on Footloose! Um, yeah. <laughs> um, did you see the picture that I put on our, fa- on our, on our Instagram, the, the, the Footloose one? Footloose, <laughs> which is part of what inspired me to watch it. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, monkey and 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 ghoul. If you guys, uh, monkey and king. If you didn't see it, I'll put it on our Instagram, uh, on our uh, Facebook messenger. Right. But anyway, uh, moving on real quick. Uh, Bill Murray uh, has been talking a lot of Ghostbusters business lately, and uh, and he has said that uh, he and some of the other cast members were actually, in his view, tricked into appearing in Ghostbusters Two. Uh, Murray says that after the first Ghostbusters, he was not in any, in any he was not in any hurry, uh, and he was very uh, reluctant to appear in a Ghostbusters sequel. Uh, he didn't want to participate in what he, at the time he was viewing as just a money grab. But he said the studio got uh, he and the cast together uh, with a pitch for an idea, and he said that he and the cast they had a great time and they got pitched a truly great story that he got really excited about and thought, wow, we can, we can really do this here. And so they ended up all signing on. And when he, he said when they all got up on, when they got on set, uh, they said that the whole thing 
uh, had been changed, uh, that the whole story that they had been pitched, the ideas that they had been pitched, uh, what they were there giving, uh, delivered in the script, and uh, what the film that they were making was not uh, what they were promised, and they said that they were all there and signed on, so they had to try to do their best uh, to make the best of it, uh, but he feels that he and the cast had joined under uh, false pretense. Uh, in addition to that, uh, November 11th, we're going to uh, hopefully finally get to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, and Murray says that this film uh, really uh, he has, has the feel of the first film uh, more so than Ghostbusters 2 uh, or uh, the remake uh, featuring the girls. He says it's a different feel than uh, two out of four of them. He said Jason Reitman, uh, who he has known uh, since since he was a kid, like even went to his bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah said he was, Murray was very surprised to get a call uh, from mitzvah. Jason Reitman, bar mitzvah, <laughs> um, that he and his writing partner, uh, Gil Keenan, had written a script for a film that uh, Murray said was a really good idea, and this film really brings it back to life, um, that he, he thinks people are going to be very, very happy with it. And he said that he and Ernie Hudson uh, don't have big roles, but he said it was actually very hard physically. Uh, he said uh, that it was a high misery quotient uh, filming their parts. It was physically taxing. Uh, there was a lot of up and down and a lot of carrying heavy equipment, um, but worth it in the end. So that's what's going on there. And uh, finally, uh, the last thing I want to say is that uh, Emilio Estevez has been out doing some uh, publicity and promo because the first two episodes of Mighty Ducks Game Changers has aired it's on Disney Plus. So it, yeah, it's been it's been good so far. I've seen uh, both episodes. I have you know a little bit of a nitpick oh, it's here out? there, um, but yeah, it's out. They're not they didn't drop the whole season. They're doing a weekly uh, release. So this week we'll see the third episode. Uh, but uh, when doing some press and talking to Vanity Fair, Emilio was asked if he has any regrets. Uh, uh, in his career uh, of films that he's been in. And he said, uh, or what his biggest one was. And he said that his biggest regret was appearing in Maximum Overdrive. Uh, Yeah, man, it's all these fucking years later. Really? What's with the sour grapes? But he said that he signed on to that film because uh, more than anything, he really wanted uh, to work uh, with Stephen King. Uh, he said he's comfortable talking about this because uh, everybody, like including King himself, knows uh, that it's a terrible movie. Uh, Emilio says that over the years, whenever he's in, run into Stephen King, he says that Stephen King always says things like, can you ever forgive me for that? And uh, Emilio said his mom even asked him, uh, you know, why you were even in that film. And he told his mom, I wanted to work with Stephen King. And Emilio's mom said, couldn't the two of you just like paint a house together or something? Uh, you know, indicating how terrible uh, that that film was. But I always have a warm spot in my heart <laughs> for Maximum Overdrive. And I was, I was like, come on, Emilio, why do you got to talk like that? Uh, but I understand, you know, like it was not, it was a bomb. And, you know, like it has a beloved cult following, of course. But, but you know, like Stephen King was like, I'm never going to direct a movie again. And, um, you know, their experiences on set, you know, have been well documented as not being the best. Uh, so, so there you have it. Uh, those are the things that I want to talk about. Uh, King of Horror, we came in at 7.04, or uh, 8.04. Uh, so uh, I hope it's close enough to the 8 o'clock time, because the floor is yours. 
It's your pick, and, 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 and the time is at hand. Thank you so much, and uh, I just I wanted to have a good conversation with you guys about this film because it's an important one to me. So, uh, The Devil, 1971, directed by Ken Russell, starring Oliver Reed, who is one of my favorite actors of all time, uh, and that's Redgrave. Uh, this movie is in 17th century France. Father Urbain Grandier seeks to protect the city of Loudon from the corrupt establishment of Cardinal Richelieu. Hysteria occurs within the city when he is accused of witchcraft by the sexually oppressed nun, Sister Poignier of Agnes. So uh, this is one of those movies where uh, I picked it for this week because of the ghoul saying he wanted to talk about some controversial films. He's been buying them, cultivating them, and uh, I thought The Devils would be a great one, but fortunately you can't really watch it, at least in its uncut version, because there's been a lot of edits to Ken Russell's original film. Uh, but then Shudder decided to put their cut of the Devils on their site, and I know that the Ghoul and myself and the Dean all have a subscription. So once it hit, I said, you know what? I think now is the time to talk about the Devils because I think this one is kind of hard because it doesn't fall into the horror that we normally talk about. This movie is more about the horrors of the Catholic Church and about oppression and about what it means to be Catholic versus Protestant. Uh, accusations of Satanism, of witchcraft, um, how a priest could be sinful, yet also follow the Gospels of God. Um, I think it has a lot to say. Uh, and just, again, let's just get into it. Uh, so that's my spiel. Uh, but, Ghoul, I'll kick it off with you. What did you think about The Devil? I thought it was a, uh, you know, it's a slow-moving film. But overall, I felt the performances were, were fairly strong. It's one of those weird 70s flicks, man, that you either go with it or you don't. Um, for me, I went with it. I, I found it to be enjoyable. I, found, I, could, I could see why you know, certain things within it would be controversial. But it, it's the kind of stuff that I enjoy. Now, will I revisit the film? Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't, I don't really see like there's anything that I would have missed within the movie. So mm-hmm. probably I would not. But again, I did. I did enjoy it. I thought Oliver Reed's performance was very entertaining. He was eating up the scenery the entire time. Okay, uh, Dean, what did you think about the? Devil? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus H. fucking Christ, have I never been more happy to be a Jewish person in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And yet he one, can't say I, bar mitzvah. I, it's been... It's been Your bar mitzvah. Yeah. It's been a while since sure. I've had this thought about a film, uh, but there's a part of me that really wishes that I would have discovered and seen this film uh, in the era when I was ingesting psychedelics all the time. Uh, I feel like mm. this would have been yes. a, a whack-ass movie to watch uh, while tripping. Um, but I... Uh, religious shit to this degree... Um, it, I don't want to say weirds me out. Uh, I don't know if that's the right terminology. Um, but like... It's just so fucked up to me because I I have so many conflicting kind of ideas and thoughts and feelings about uh, religion and how religion 
uh, you know, controls lives and cultures and societies and whatnot. Um, but with that being said, uh, this, you know, this was a weird, you know, freaky movie, and I certainly enjoyed it. I had never heard of it before. Uh, you know, I've had my eras when I've, like, looked and read about and searched out all, like, the, you know, the controversial films out there, and uh, this one must have just ex- escaped uh, my readings uh, about that kind of stuff and my viewings about that kind of stuff. I'm a fan uh, of the of the limited titles of Ken Russell that I've seen. Uh, I do like his work, um, you know. So I, I enjoyed this film. This isn't one that I'm going to be looking forward to, like, watching again and studying and, and whatnot, but... Um, you know, it was in, certainly an interesting story and that like kind of an interesting time. And, uh, you know, whether I didn't do any research into the opening words were to believe, be believed that this was an actual true story with based on actual uh, people. Um, but, you know, it was a good, you know, I'm, I'm glad this was a pick. I'm glad to get a chance to watch a film like this. And, and, and there you have it. It is indeed actually based on on reported true events from that time. So we'll, we'll get into it as we go. Yeah. So, Mucky, what did you think about the depth? I thought it was a pretty movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like no, seriously. <laughs> seriously, this movie is like, this movie was fucking gorgeous to look at. It's just, the the sets mm-hmm. they built for this movie, all all of the you know flowing drapery all over the place and all the kind of shit, it, like it immediately pulled me the fuck in, man. It was, the, this movie was like a fucked up Terry Gilliam acid trip. I, I like with just sprawl all over the place and sex and fucking and you know crucifixes and weird ass horny ass nuns. Is I, I I really enjoyed this movie, man. <laughs> this this movie was so much fun. <laughs> But then they sit there and you take all this and then throw in, you know, 17... Weeping and dancing. Uh, Sorry. Yes, but then, then, you know, in 1700s France where I fucking love that kind of shit, Man in the Iron Mask, the French Revolution, you know, all all that kind of shit. I love those kind of wardrobes on top of it, you know, lots of powdery faces, wigs, all that kind of shit. It's just something about that kind of shit just gets to me, you know, like a bad Adam Ant video. Um... But yeah, it's there was nothing I did not like about this movie. This movie was just so much fucking fun. <laughs> See, it's funny you say yeah, that. I mean, because actually, sorry, mm-hmm. King, just real quick. This is fast. Um, the very villain of your Three Musketeers stories is the same Cardinal Richelieu as we are seeing in this film. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it is, in fact, the same villain, Cardinal Richelieu. Who, um, not not you know not played by Tim Curry this time. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and there are liberties taken with this movie as far as as the actual facts of what happened in 1634 in Loudun in France uh, with the possession, in particularly Louis the Thirteenth, King Louis the Thirteenth. There were yeah. you know kind of he was homosexual, <laughs> but Ken Russell took all the liberties and he's like, let's have fun with it. Let's satirize the shit out of King Louis the Thirteenth. Make him a cross-dresser. Make him have these birth of Venus shows, you know, for Cardinal. Who, the Cardinal Wichelieu, he didn't give a shit. He's like, you know, I don't care. <laughs> that's that's your thing, man. That is your thing. But I need to destroy these cities because the Protestants are dogs. They are beneath us. We're Catholics. The Protestants are dogs. 
So let's go in and destroy these cities and combine church and state. Let's combine the two because they need to be combined. And on the opposite side of things, you have Urbane Grandier, who is on his base, especially with Oliver Reed playing this character is fantastic because he is a sinful person. He likes to have sex, but he lives by the gospel of what he thinks is right. He doesn't live by the word of the Bible. He just goes by the gospel. So, yes, you can have sex. Like, you can, you know, be whoever you want to be. But at the same time, there has to be a separation of that. You have to have freedom. And that's why he was so protective of Wudong. It's because their fortified walls were separating everything else from what's going on. So if those walls come down, that means that you're all going to be slaves to the Catholic Church. Because we have a society where Catholics and Protestants can live together. There is no more war. We can exist peacefully within these walls. And once they come down, we're all going to have to pay you know, price for that. So for him oh, to yeah. be as simple as – go ahead. Yes and no. I mean part of the whole thing is is they don't want to give up their – quote unquote freedom so to say but what you're also shown within the film also is like he says if our walls come down we're, we have no protection it's not just protection right. against you know obviously the king and you know whatever, whatever gets thrown that way in the event that it happens but even let's say there mm-hmm. were to be invaders from Spain or from some other location right. at which point they now have no defense and they're at the mercy of waiting for the king's men to get there. And, you know, you're not talking about, you know, a day like today where we have fast travel to get from these places. You're talking about getting on horses, armies marching, camping, marching, 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 camping. It'd be weeks before they get there at times. Um, so, yes, and, yeah, you know, this this whole separation that you see here between the Catholic Church and the, the Protestant Church, you know, that, that was something that had been going on. There were wars fought because yeah. of this and because of the, the differences in their belief system and, you know, the whole papacy and being beheld to the Pope being the, the one mighty holy man, as was seen in the, the Catholic right. religions versus the Protestant religions in which it was, you know, it was, it was more adhering to the word of the Bible, but never adhering just to the word of any one person. So what you're seeing, you know, with, with Oliver Reed's character is, yes, you know, is he a sinner? Absolutely. He is sinning like crazy. Yeah. As a priest, this is what he is doing. But at the same time, if God is indeed flowing within every single one of us, is it not God directing him to do these things? And as long as he's still following doctrine of said laws of God by pleading his forgiveness and paying his penance, he is then there still purified and capable of doing God's work and God's will. Um, God so didn't do it. Was... You did. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you! Um, and yeah, it's it's, it's um to see you know him presiding over the the funeral of Governor Samoa, you know who was a guy that protected that city, and even King Louis the Thirteenth said we made a promise to Governor Samoa, even though he's dead, we can't destroy the dump. Like that's a promise we made. So. 
we have Grandier there to protect that city. You can have any city you want, Mr. Yu, but you cannot take Ladon. We made a promise to that. So that's what Grandier holds firm to that. Um, but then to see the the nuns of St. Ursula taking him like a fucking rock star, you know, when he's presiding with a funeral. Oh, my God, there he is. Oh, my man. I would <laughs> go to hell for him. You know, what I wouldn't want him to do to me. You know, and then you have St. John of the Agnes, you know, laying underneath just watching him and craving him from seeing in her fantasies of him walking across the water to kissing his feet and washing them off to her hump. You know, I'm still beautiful. I'm still beautiful. To even having him on the cross coming off and her mm-hmm. kissing his wounds. Like, she is completely obsessed. She was cleaning his feet and all that with her hair. I mean, these were the, See, here's the thing, though. These were the things that made my this hair. controversial. You know? <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> um, like, you know, depicting Oliver Reed as, as this, this Jesus-like figure, you know, in this rock star way that they're kind of showing him. Um yeah. That's the kind of stuff that's going to get people mad at you back then, man. Yeah. Well, also, her lick in the wounds. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Well, again, it's, you know, it's, it, it sexualizes it. It builds it with energy. It makes it sexy. Now, here's the thing with all of this stuff, and this is what I was saying before, Dean, with the uh, – with it being based on true, true reported events and whatnot, as we we see with with life in general, history tends to be dictated by the people that are in charge or the ones that won the wars. Um, yep. So a lot of the things that that got written about all of this were all written from the standpoint of the victors, so to speak. So, of course, history is going to look back and we're going to see all these reports of all this debauchery and how he was such a sinful man and that he was banging all these broads because all that lends to the story that Richelieu and them needed to paint of him being a sinful person to give the excuse of why they did what they did. You know, you have to paint the picture as to why there was demonic possession and witchcraft going on in this place. So, so whether or not he really was, or was he just a vocal opponent of Richelieu and the Catholic Church, you know, unfortunately, we'll never really know the truth, because we weren't there. I mean, if you, if you really wanted to read the history of it, I would recommend the 1952 novel by Aldous Huxley called The Devil's Voodoo, which really tells you exactly what happened and about how the, the nuns that were in the convent didn't exactly tell the truth, how Grandier, you know, in the movie he married uh, Madeleine, you know, De Brew, but that never happened in the actual story. You know, he was just a free-spirited guy that just thought that sex was okay and you could just do whatever you wanted, um, but the rest of that was, was factual. So Ken Russell took that and added to it by having Madeleine De, Fru, uh, De Brew be his wife. But everything else was, was factual. Um, I loved when Alva Reed is laying with police. And she's like, oh, you know, you're here for Latin lessons, and that's the only way we can fool your dad. But I'm pregnant. He's like, yes, it is. He's <laughs> like, so quick. He's like, you're pregnant? So we're done. <laughs> you know what? You have an egg? And I can't deal with that. So, 
you know what? You need to confess to God, and you need to apologize, and you're a sinner, and we're done here. <laughs> but I, but I love because he's like, hey, but I love you, and he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's just right. what is love? You know, hold my hand. Feels like a dead body, doesn't it? Because <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> there there is no love here. here. Only Zool. <laughs> I see my my whole thing, the, uh, King, with the the fact of of saying anything here is factual, is just again we saw, you know, in the last couple of months how easy it is mm-hmm. to dupe and fake information amongst people, and oh, that's in a day and age in which we have you know cameras and things like that to give us fairly decent depictions of what's going on. And we've got a lot of people in fast communication to give us ideas of what's really going on. But when we think back to those times, what we have to realize is is that information like this was literally maybe put to paper if you were lucky. We saw it happening within the movie itself in which they're showing, you know, the one guy writing the the supposed truth as to who was, you know, who was at fault here for all of this stuff. So the fact that that bullshit was going on, man, I don't trust half the shit that we've been taught in history anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's also the fact that you have, uh, you know, Sister Jean, uh, the Agnes, you know, uh, Jean of Angels, writing to Father Grandier saying, please be the confessor of this church, you know, and then masturbating afterwards, and then flagellating herself <laughs> with Flick the chain. Flick my <laughs> <laughs> You know, sinned, so she has to flagellate herself because she sinned in the name of God. But mm-hmm. in the actual event of what happened, Father Grandier applied to be the confessor of St. Ursula, and he got shut down. And Father Mignon took over. But in the movie, Father Mignon says he's too busy. You know, he, he's, he's got so much going on, you know, with trying to defend the city. So I will be your confessor from now on. So that, in the movie sense, that's what we, Sister Jean, to say, well, I'm possessed. And somebody comes to me at night, and I am possessed by the devil. And I, you know, I need to express it. Which leads to the Devon character of the movie, you know, coming in and exercising the devil. Because that's the crazy thing about Trump. She exercises known as John Lennon. <laughs> no, but when we, when we, when we got to the... Yeah, when we got to this guy, it's like I, I all of a sudden I got these... um like serious an- anime vibes of Van Helsing. I don't know if Google, you ever watched that one of, of Van Helsing with all of the just big ass gloves, the glasses, the huge ass hat, and all that kind of shit. But it was just you know it, the, with with his glasses and the way his costume was, it was like straight up anime cosplay. I was fucking loving this character. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that he's brought in because you have Lord of Armand who comes in to destroy the city. You know, that we have plans to destroy the city. It's just another one. And Grania is there to say, you're not going to tear this down. If one more brick falls, you will die before that last brick falls. And he's like, all right, we're all out of here. You know, <laughs> let's get out of here. We'll wait until we get official word. But believe me, this city's going to fall. So Grania, in marrying Madeline Defru, he goes, let's go on a honeymoon. Nothing bad is going to happen while we're away. 
nah, you know, let's, just, let's get out of it. You know, we don't for a little while. Let's just gonna have time for ourselves. But that's when Sister Jean comes up with her whole plan of, I will commit to this frenzy of me being possessed by Father Grandier. He is the witch behind all of this, and the entire convent is going to be behind me. But she doesn't realize that she's pretty fucked, literally. <laughs> You're having Father Barre come in with his enemas, and he's going to inject them any way he can to get the devil out of you. She realizes, oh, shit. I, oh, what, what, uh, let me take it back real quick. Uh, Yeah, and then the fact that they they make this a public exorcism as well, just to try and you know have people witness this thing, and it's just not fucking working. You know, people are laughing at them, and you know, so our devil hunting crews are getting pissed off because they're not really getting any results after they fucking violated Sister Jean right there in front of everybody. We yeah, also have the humor involved here, of which we have the, you know, the quote-unquote scientist and the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these two, these two fucking buffoons who, again, you know, obviously are, are representative uh, of what the other two grand things were, you know, that, that people were trying to follow. But see, back then... Again, you know, everything was all about the church. You know, the church was to heal everything. If you were sick, you didn't go to the doctor. You know, you went to church and prayed that God would heal you, and then you'd go see the doctor. Um, you know, like, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a weird time. Listen, man, science and doctors are not fucking what they are today back then either, man. Some of the, what you saw was kind of true. Oh, my kid showed me a fucking, some kind of like this, 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 this attachment thing that they used on the penis to like, to, to do something medical. And it's like a fucking contraption with spikes all over it. Like at what point are you putting that on your wiener? You know, like for what, what good is that going to do? Um, that but, was actually again, a contraction. The, that one was actually a contraption to keep you from getting hard on to the middle of the night and having wet dreams. That was a Catholic device to teach you that, that those kind of thoughts were bad in the middle of the night. Well, see, no. I, yeah. I would be screwed, dude. I would have no wiener left. Um, <laughs> you know, but but again, the whole outcry of this, all of that, and that's just a show that it was that that's what it was. It was a show. All of this was some big, great mockery to to do everything in their power to show that what you guys are doing, you know, we, we need to take this place. We need to bring this place down, but not because of the sinning. You know, that's the one thing that I think kind of gets lost amongst the, the, the film. It doesn't have anything to do with what they're doing within the walls. You know, as we see no. at the very beginning of the movie during – our wonderful King's Mermaid performance, there is all kinds of debaucherous stuff going on over there, and Richelieu's got no problem with it. You know, there are men dressed nope. like women, there's, man, there's guys feeling up, guys dressed like women, there's all kinds of, <laughs> of, of things going on that they have no problem with. So it's just a personal vendetta against Grenier, and I think the one thing is, is I wish they would have I wish there would have been more Oliver Reed showing his disagreement and dislike 
of Richelieu's policies. And, you know, knowing yeah. you know, a little bit of the reading that I did, I know that, you know, he actually did get into the ear of the king at times. There were things that, that, that went back and forth here that, you know, this film is just kind of showing us this one portion of that story. But Richelieu's story is actually pretty interesting, too, and I, I would have liked a little more of that as well. Yeah, it was, it was Richelieu basically giving King Louis the Thirteenth a pass. Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but this is what I want. Like, this is my goal. Yeah. And Florida Bob, he didn't care about the possession. <laughs> like, there are no devils. Like, I just want to destroy this city. So if I could destroy the city by discrediting Grenier, I'm going for it. So, yeah, Barrier, you know, if you can figure out these people are possessed, great. Because that's evidence I can use against Grenier. That's all it is. Like, you know, they're not possessed. He never possessed they were possessed. He just wanted to destroy yeah. The idea is one unified France, you know, and obviously as a Catholic, you know, they just come off of the war of religions. You know, he wants one unified Catholic France. Um, You know, we see how they're treating, you know, the the Huguenots or the Protestants. um, As far as, you know, we see the one scene where they're pushing that gigantic caravan, you know, they're whipping them, they're they're treating them like slaves, essentially. Um, (laughs) But yeah, th- th- this was his whole purpose of tearing down all these walls. You know, you don't, you know, well, we 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 look at it, we see it from like the standpoint of, of, of how you, we're it is now. Tear down this wall. <laughs> Please do. Um, but you also don't see things like that here either. You know what I mean? So except for specific fortifications that are built around military installations. So that that's always fascinating. <laughs> But also, yeah. you you were just talking about Rouchelot being in Louis' ear and stuff like that. I just want to bring up that one scene that I fucking loved was just, again, you know, Rouchelot t- talking to Louis, and Louis just randomly firing off pistols for no fucking reason. These beautiful, beautiful yes. you know, sterling silver pistols, you know, as he's going on. But then you see the fucked upness that's going on. <laughs> with them releasing prisoners and giving them a chance to run for their freedom, dressed up as blackbirds, and and having to run through the crowd and try, try and you know fly their way home, only to be shot by the king. It's just another, I, I fucking love that scene. Problem. It was just <laughs> because King Louis like he didn't give a shit about religion. <laughs> I'll do what I want because I'm the king and I can do whatever I please. So, yeah, him shooting heretics dressed as blackbirds, that was part of his shtick. And King Richelieu was like, hey, whatever you want, (laughs) but why can't I take Udon? Well, we made a promise. Louis the 13th is fucked up because, you know, he's one of those that became king at, like, age nine. And, you know, his mother (laughs) basically, his mother ruled things for, for quite a bit. And then... And then when he became of age, things kind of got split. And for a, a period of time, him and his mother were almost at war um, with each other as far as these things went, man. It was a, uh, it's a hectic time, man. It's good old fucking France, dude. They're still doing this shit to this day, you know? So it's, it's, it's fun. And what I love is that while the nuns of St. Ursula are confined to the woods, you know, with with Lotta Barmont saying, you know, you guys are sinners, you know, your confessors, you need to confess your sins. 
you know, Father Barre is saying, release them. Let them do what they want. This is an exorcism. We have to do this. We have to let them be who they want to be, and we're going to exercise their demons. So they let them into the Grand Hall, where they're running around naked and having sex with each other and just having a party, you know, through all this. And that's when King Louis decided to show up as the Duke Henri de Condé, which is, you know, <laughs> the holy vial of Jesus. So the Holy Eucharist, it doesn't work. You know, as much as I want them to confess that they're possessed, the Holy Eucharist isn't going to work. Well, hello, yes, I have a vial of the blood of Jesus Christ in this, you know, this contraption. So show them this, and they will be convinced that they are no longer possessed. And what happens? He shows it to them, and they automatically go, oh, we're cured. Oh, this is all we needed. And King Louis opens up that case and shows that there's nothing in there. And he's like, ah, good show. Do what you want. I'm always <laughs> It's it, that, that was a weird scene. You know, that was one of those mm-hmm. that it, it almost didn't make sense as to what the motivations to do that would be. You know, I understand it from, like, if for us as the audience, yes, you know, we can see that scene and be like, just to show the, the hypocrisy of all this, that it's all bullshit and mm-hmm. it's all bluster. And that none of this is, is fucking real. You're making it all up as you go. It's all fucking magic, hocus-pocus bullshit. But being that it doesn't benefit anybody in any way, you know, it would be going right. against what King Louis' guys were there to do, you know, even if he didn't really give a shit as to what they were doing. Um, you know, it doesn't benefit Richelieu. And it doesn't end up helping, you know, fucking Gagne either. So, like, what no. was that purpose other than just giving us another uh, Grenier? I keep saying Grenier. I think Adrian Grenier. Um, uh, <laughs> Grundle? What was the purpose? Grundle. Grundlefish. Um, like, really, though, what was the purpose of that scene other than just being humorous for us as the audience? It was a show that what Barre was doing wasn't working. Like, that it's all fake. Like, King Louis the Thirteenth knew that this was all just for show. So when he shows up, you know, in grandeur, being carried in by little boys, you know, and saying, don't touch that, that's where men come from. It was all just for show. It was, <laughs> he knew that they're lying. Like, he knew that they're just doing this because they didn't like Father Grenier or whatever it was. So that's why he showed up to kind of do this whole show. Um, in the uncut version the one that uh, is very hard to find, uh, when he leaves, the nuns take down the life-size version of Christ on the cross and proceed to rape it. So it's called Rape of Christ. Yeah, I read about that. Uh, I read about a few few scenes, a few uh, scenes from, I guess, what would be the uncut version that were not in uh, this particular version that we watched here on Shudder. Another one, uh, you know, later in the film that, that I'll bring up then, uh, but I'm I'm curious, and 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 King of Horror, I guess you would be the one to know. Does this stuff exist anywhere? You know, like is there uh, prints out there that are uncut, or is there, uh, or are those scenes available, or has that just been kind of one of those situations where it's been in a way lost to time? Not to view online, but Mark Kermode, who is a UK uh, British uh, critic, 
founder. There's of a the power. Coach. There's a region two uncut edition that you can get. Sorry. It was quote unquote un, uh, uncut, but in 2006, Mark Kermode actually had a screening of the film with the Rape of Christ included, and also a scene uh, like you had said, Dean, that we'll talk about towards the end of the film included. But Warner Brothers to this day has not available made a Blu-ray or a DVD copy uncut because they're uncomfortable with it. Like to this day, they still feel like it's too much. So they really don't want to see an uncut version of this movie be made. Uh, you could find it for a hefty cost, I'm sure, but to this day, there isn't anything available for the consumer because Warner Brothers is like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we want to see a whole bunch of nuns fucking a statue of Christ. Yeah, this, this edition <laughs> that I found is, is is up for like fifty five bucks, but again, it's a mm. uh, it's a region two PAL format, so I uh, I, I, I wouldn't be getting it. I don't think it would work on any of my shit. I don't know. But don't in know the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, you have Father Grandier with his wife Madeline the View uh, returning to Adam. Like, you know, he realizes he has to return. You know, he wants to get in the king's ear to confirm that Wudan is not going to collapse to the pressure by the Catholic Church. But once he returns to Wudan, that's when he sees that this woman, Sister Jean, you know, is, is chained up. And in this grand hall where they're making accusations against him, and this is like, a, I, I keep quoting this because it's my favorite part of the movie is when he walks in, he's like, I may be vain, I may be proud, but the devil's boy I should never be. I don't have the humility. You know, all <laughs> these things that have been said against him are wrong. And that's when she quickly says, I've been a prostitute for Grenier. I've prostituted for him. I've been to the Black Masters and I've been to the devil. And he tells her, God will forgive you if you just say it. God will give you salvation. Because I am innocent of these charges. Nothing that you have said is true, and everybody will believe me. So there is a section of Wudan who says he's innocent. Ronnie he tries to protect the city. He's not going to be in line with the devil. But then you have the other part of that crowd who's like, yeah, let's put him on trial, man. Let's light him up if we have to. Because he's in line with Bloodthirsty motherfuckers. <laughs> Good show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, but then you have a few who are still loyal to the city, you know, still loyal to, to our man, you know, and they, they get bludgeoned and beaten and shit like that as they're trying to defend them. You know, mm -hmm. trying to remind the crowd, he's the one trying to defend the city. He's the one trying to keep a, walls up. You know, what the hell's wrong with all of you? He's the only one that has gotten the fortifications for the city to be protected. So when he's dragged away and he's put into his house where he lived, and he's wearing that very 70s swagger jacket with the fringe, and he's like, I couldn't <laughs> sleep as well. And La Demont's like, yeah, let's get rid of these fucking statues. Let's take them all down because your execution's coming up. And he's like, I haven't had a trial yet. And he's like, oh, yeah. If you want. It's execution time. If you need a trial, we'll give you one, but we all know how this is going to end. He's like, you don't know how this is going to end. You don't know. Like, let me have my trial. Let me speak to the people of Wudong. You know, let me tell them my side of the story and let them decide for themselves. And, of course, we have Trent Kong, 
who is on the board of people, you know, trying him, and that's Toif's daughter, you know, son, you know, and that's the bastard. Like, let's get rid of him. You know, we don't need him around. So he's going to be the first one to be the one to say, yeah, put him on the stage. Put him on the fire. But Grenier makes a lot of great points about what's happening, about how you have to separate religion from politics. How this, they want it to be an experiment. Like, they want to see how this could, you know, try out for them. But you have to live by the gospel. You know, I might be a sinner. I might be a bad person, but I live for the word of God, and I live for you in this city. And, of course, they shut him down. Like, this isn't a political trial. Stop talking like you're a lawyer. Like, we already know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, but, again, we still have these beautiful, beautiful sets going on while this is going. Even the courtroom is fucking beautiful. The way they, you know, stretch everything up super high and, you know, the the way they work the the seating for everyone, you know, you're pretty much, you know, just climbing up a wall instead of, you know, just a flat floor. Again, I just love the visuals of the sets that they were doing for this movie. Even when – you know, Grandier kind of knows that his number's up, even though he's still trying to say that he's innocent. I love when he's led down into his home to meet with the chemist and the surgeon to be shaved. He's like, oh, surgeon, all of a sudden, you know what it is to be a barber? Like, you think that you can cut my hair? Uh, no, I don't think you have any place to be, you know, calling people any names. Grandier. He's like, can I get a mirror? I guess something. <laughs> and the fact that Grandier wants to see himself be shaved, you know, in, in the reflection of, you know, the silver, you know, uh, bowl. He no, doesn't want he to look away. See himself, no, he doesn't, it's not that he wants to see himself be shaved. He wants to look upon himself one last yeah. time. You know, he That's knows how I took he, it. he's... He's been known to be, and if you look at, at the historical things, he was known as a very good-looking young man, um, very handsome. Yeah. And we yeah. see that in the film. You know, they all look, they think he's beautiful. He is wonderful. He himself, as a sinner, has his sin of pride. He believes this, yeah. too. So he wants to look upon himself that one last time. And I think uh, the, 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 the whoever, I, I can't even pronounce his name, Gabodobuguda, um, Lacha fucking Shimaman. Um, Say that again. Le- yeah, that. I, I Lem- yeah, Lembaremal. Um, he gives it to him as you know, in in a lot of ways, he gives it to him out of sympathy because he knows he's being yeah. railroaded. He knows that this was a personal vendetta, that it is over, and it's the you know, it's kind of like the least he can do. You know what? Look upon yourself. Enjoy this that one last time, asshole, because you're done. <laughs> and, you know, as, he, as he's being cut, and then the next scene where he walks into the court, you know, wearing the, the long clothes with the cross on it, and he's completely shaved, eyebrows, mustache, hair. You know, in real life, I love the fact that you could see the scar on Alvarez's face because that was from a mm-hmm. bar fight a couple years earlier where he thought he would never get work again because he had been stabbed in the face during a drunken bar fight. And Ken Russell said, no, and Ed's character, I want you to my film. As to his fucking manliness, man. Mm-hmm. 
but it's the thing of him being led into the court, all the people laughing at him because now he's bald, no eyebrow, you know, no eyebrows, no mustache, you know, nothing. And he's still saying, I'm innocent of these charges. Like there, there's nothing that you have said that says that I'm guilty, but you know what? May God be with me and may God be my only witness to this. <clears throat> then being led underneath the church where Barre in his frenzy is like, I'm so goddamn happy. I get to grab this hammer and I could just torture Grenier and get him to confess to being possessed by the devil. And throughout all of it, he's having his legs broken by a hammer and still saying, I'm not going to say anything because I'm innocent. And Lord Amon yeah. saying, you know, do you love the church? Not today. Like, oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> what Sorry, Dean, say? what were you going to say? I was just going to say that when we get into this year, like this is just one of those things. And I like understand that the, the, the choices that were made given uh, – the cuts that were made to this film and, and so on. But like, I kind of wanted, if not uh, seeing the impact of uh, this mallet gnashing uh, right. down, I would have liked to have seen the results. And I'm not saying that I wanted like gore and splatter, but like, I would have liked to see like mangled twisted leg or, you know, something like, I feel like, like the, like the camera would cut in close so we couldn't see uh, but I was looking for 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 you know a little bit more graphic imagery in some of those. I, I agree. I agree. When he's crawling, um, fire. Well, well, well. Like like the like the dean. Like when this scene came up, I was like, because I watched this in two parts, and I stopped there because I was like, oh, it's gonna get good, and I need to go to bed. I'm gonna sit there and save this shit for tomorrow. And I was expecting a straight like five minutes of torture, you know, of something going on, you know. And, and unfortunately, the only results we see, and, like, I had to pause it to catch it, is, like, of the the only gruesomeness you see in the torture room is that they sit there and drove a wooden spike through his dick. Yeah, watch that pepper. That's the only thing. Yeah, I didn't, like, I didn't get to see that at all, man. Oh, I yeah. I didn't, yeah, 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 I didn't Yes. I didn't get no spike yes, in the a, dick. They talked about it, but they didn't do well, it. Well, the, yeah, the, 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 there was a, there's a, a super, super quick scene. It's literally only a second, but it, you see these two spikes in between his legs, you know, where his mm-hmm. dick is, and then another spike stuff on, on top, and then just all this blood splattered all over his legs. It's not a lot. Like, it's a, the, the version you watch yeah. on Shutter, it's... Like it's it's a really yeah. quick shot. Like it's not like yeah, oh my god, easy. I missed that. No, no well, it's for, literally well, for one me, second. Anyway, even with like what the dean's saying here, like I didn't need it to be any more gruesome. Right. Um, because I'll mm-hmm. be perfectly honest with you. At this point, I don't want to see this happening to this character. <laughs> um, you know, you know at this point, I, I'm like, you know, I I, I am so like. I'm already upset over the fact that I know that Bar, or Debar, whatever the hell his name is, that this is going to be one of those movies in which (laughs) this is going to be one of those movies in which the true villains are not going to get their comeuppance, and that sucks. Absolutely, you know, because I want more than anything for that motherfucker to get his. 
you know, I want something bad to happen to him. And I'm like praying at this point, nope. you know, that you know, something, you something's going to happen yeah. to them. But no, nothing does. Words, yeah, after his legs have been completely broken, you see him being dragged up to the steps of St. Ursula. And where am I? Well, you're at the steps of St. Ursula where you defiled it. So just confess. You know, just make penance. Just say you're sorry to St. John. You know, just say you're sorry to her, and you can go with God. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't even seen her. You know, may God forgive you for what I'm going through. You know, may God forgive you, and may you live in this next life. And St. John says, oh, it's great, but, you know, devil, devil. And he's like, please stop saying that. Like, you know, to the end, you're still saying I'm the devil as he gets dragged away, and he gets led to the pyre where the hangman is saying, I'm going to strangle you before the fire hits. Like, you're going to be dead before the fire hits you. Don't worry about it. I got you, Father. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah, he was offering it to him as a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a means of fucking making it easier. Yeah, he was like, man, I, can't, this, you know, I can't do much, but please let me do this for you. At least let me offer you this last, you know, kind of salvation. And as he's led Somebody there, barked. you have Father Barkley waving around the torch going, oh, 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 you know, just confess. You only have moments left. He goes, only a moment. Only a moment. <laughs> you know, and he's like, just say it now. And before he gets a chance to say anything, Father Barre lights that fire. And, of course, the hangman can't get to that noose close enough because Father Mignon is tearing it apart because his mind is completely snapped at this point. He, he knows yeah. that Grenier is innocent, that he has mm-hmm. done nothing wrong. He's tearing this noose apart because his mind is completely broken. And, of course, <laughs> and of course in English fashion, the executioner going, sorry, Father, sorry, the fire. <laughs> you know, and away from it. And, and sorry, 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 mate. <laughs> well, I think I think you know Mignon's biggest thing is, and I, I think he knew the whole time that he was innocent. I don't think he ever believed any of that bullshit. I think it was just a matter of him agreeing with the debaucherous ways that he, I think he adhered to a, the quote unquote Catholic thing, whereas you know obviously we saw the more Protestant view of. And, yeah, as he starts to burn, he's like, you promised me. You promised me I wouldn't go out this way. I'm sorry, priest, I'm sorry. But, you know, as he burns, you see the surgeon and the chemist standing with Philippe and, you know, with Trincon, her father, going, yep, there's the bastard. No, yeah, you get to see your daddy burn, you bastard. He's like, oh, man. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) <laughs> if it couldn't get any fucking meaner than that, you know, the fact that the chemist is holding up this little baby thing, you know, you get to see your daddy burn because you're a bastard. <laughs> yeah, and while all of this is going on, don't forget, you've also got all this reveling going on in the streets. There's a huge-ass party. It's like fucking Mardi Gras out there about, you know, and there's all kinds of debauchery going around all over the place. So, again, like the ghoul said, it's not about the debauchery. You know, it's just no. about a land grab. And it's the whole thing is that, the, you know, the people in the crowd, these people who don't are just kind of happy to see it, and they're just reveling in it. 
um, especially the fit of how Jesus is in the teeth. Of course, it has to be something to get in the fit from Judas. Judas, Judas, Judas. You know, he gives him the kiss of, you know, that's what kind of breaks Father Mignon, I think, is that, like, you know, like, you know, I give him a kiss to give himself, and this is what happened. So as Father Grenier burns, he's like, save yourself. If you give yourself to them, you're going to be slaves. Please don't do this. And I fought for you. Please fight back. But as he burns and he dies, that's when Wadamont destroys the city. Blows up, you know, the wall. He's not around it. You got to talk, man. We're out of here. Yeah, and I heard they actually fucked up on the shot and blew it up too early, and it was originally not caught on film. And then they had to rebuild part of the set so they could blow it back up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he, he got so excited with that button inside of the hit it too early. But that's as Wudong, you know, burns. And when we cut back to the next day, you have Sister Jean, you know, in her little hole with, of course, La Demont. And I love to have, how they show you how small her little hovel is where she stays because you know, La Demont is crouching down to talk to her in this little hovel. Saying, well, you know, everything is fine. Obviously, you're not possessed by the devils anymore. She's like, what about the public, you know, excesses we're going to have? He's like, that's not going to happen. No, Father Barry's gone. He, he, he's gone to, you know, Lafayette. And he's experiencing something else. And, you know, obviously, Mignon is committed. So, you know what? Tourists are going to come by. But eventually, the town's going to die. You'll be forgotten. But have a souvenir. Father Grenier's Tibia. And he throws it. And then the uncut version, she takes that Tibia yeah. and masturbates as he leaves yeah. the room. Yeah, that was messed up to see. <laughs> you know, it's her giving that final form of his Tibia to masturbate. That's her final, you know, kind of goodbye to Father Grenier. And as, you know, the hangman shoveled Father Grande, we see that his wife, Madeleine de Bru, has come back. He didn't know where she went. They, you know, he was told that she confessed that she had went away because she was so disgusted by him. But no, she was kept away from him. But she's getting to see the final parts of what he was and leaving that city of Wudong as being destroyed. And that, you know, as she walks away, you have the final shots of the pirouettes, um, the stands of the skeletons, and that's how we close the devil, of her being a uh, lost woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Man, it's such, such a fun, wild trip that this movie was. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that this movie came out in 1971, but it was overshadowed by another movie we covered, A Clockwork Orange, which people considered more controversial than The Devil when it came out in the UK. They thought that A Clockwork Orange was more controversial, but to my end, I think that The Devil is a lot more controversial than A Clockwork Orange could ever be. As much as I love that movie, I think The Devil really hands it to the Catholic Church and the hypocrisy. 
that goes on within it. Yeah, and it was a good, you know, so- social piece too. You know, about talking about the separation of church and state, and you know what was going on at the time, and just you know, you should always be aware that there's evil in their own rights. And we we could talk a whole lot about it more on another episode, I'm sure. But uh, next week, as we close out, because I see this time, uh, Mucky, it is your choice next week. So what do you have for us? Oh yeah, yeah. All right. So next week. All right, we're going to sit there because we're getting close to 420. I'm going to sit there and pick a stoner horror movie. So we're going to go with The Knights of Badasto. Ooh, Joe Lynch. I like it. <laughs> oh. Warping fantasy horror. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so stoner uh, horror LARPing. <laughs> That's what we're going for next week. <laughs> After the devil. Very serious. <laughs> very, very, okay. very serious. The Knights of Badastum. <laughs> All right. All right. So, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Devil. And we'll see you back here next welcome. week for Knights of The Knights of Badastum. It's so exciting. <laughs> We'll see. All right. We'll see what happens. And wait, I just, I just oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll ask the group later. Go ahead. Carry on. Uh, okay. Well, this is the monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode and let me come in your ear. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Cool. Yeah, we have the last say. So sign yourself off. Oh, again, we don't, unfortunately, we still don't have the plug. Things aren't uh, back up and operating yet. So I will leave us all as as always with the simple yes. Uh, stay scared, everybody. <laughs> stay scared. <laughs> all right. And as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andrew G, saying thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you listened to this episode of Devils and maybe got something from it as far as it being controversial. Maybe, but uh, definitely check it out if you have Shutter. Uh, but until next week, meet. We're going to be talking about Knights of Badassum. Looking forward to it. Joe Lynch, Peter Dinklage, Ryan Quantain, Warby.